Hey folks, if you've been tuning in the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Speaking of saving cash, Rose Bowl tickets start as low as 96 bucks on the GameTime app. Are you still on the fence about your seat? No worries. You can click on the listing and look at panoramic seat views so you'll know how you'll be watching the game. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Player App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, enter redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Tyson Alger here on It Never Rains, the podcast about all things Oregon Ducks, which has, for the most part, been about what Oregon's doing on the field. But since it is or the start of the early signing period this week, we are going to talk about what the Ducks have been doing off the field. Joining me today is not Aaron Fentress. He... Uh, uh, was out in Carolina this week covering the Seahawks game. Um, so we're letting him ha- enjoy it. Some nice, well-deserved R&R. Instead, well, we dug into our bag of tricks here, and uh, we we pulled out our producer. So uh, this is Cameron Molina hey. making his making his It Never Rains debut. The, the man behind the curtain, the guy who's been pulling all the strings for the last, uh, what has it been, four or five months or so of this, so- Cameron? Something like that. Would this really be considered my debut since I've been working on every episode, though, behind the scenes? Yeah, but the thing about this podcast is, I mean, it's very forward-facing. I mean, Aaron and oh, I are right. both, yeah, outward we're both, appearances. Uh, we're both like J-level J celebrities in this town. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's, it's hard to, to bring somebody from behind the curtain and uh, and stick you in, in the captain's chair right next, right next to us. So. We've already had some marquee guests on this show, so I wonder where I rank. I don't want to do a self-ranking, and I don't want to put you on the spot. We'll have to reevaluate it after I th- I th- the show. I think, but... you're, I think you're slightly ahead of Justin Myers, and maybe... Oh, Right really, behind, and right behind Jerry Allen. So, dude, that's um, some great company. Right, be, I'll, I'll, I'm a hundred percent behind Jerry Allen. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's a it's a very large gap behind Jerry Allen and just slightly well, in front no of doubt. Myers. But yeah, uh, actually, I, I, I want to ask you a, a couple questions here before we we kind of get into signing day. But just as I, you're you're based in California, you do you do several other podcasts uh, here on the Athletic, but having. Ha- Having to listen to Aaron and I for the last four months talk about Ooh. Oregon Ducks stuff and everything, like what's what's been your opinion of this season and and just you know having to listen to us drone on about uh, uh, this 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 Rose Bowl season uh, for the Ducks here? I mean, like what's what's kind of stood out for you? You know, I I thought you were going to open like a pop quiz about, hey, what have you learned now that we've been talking about the Ducks the last four or five months? What have you been (laughs) able to glean? Tell us who's this guy and this guy. No, uh, I I feel it's fairly interesting. You guys on a week-in, week-out basis have applauded this club and they've performed really well. Uh, I mean, they've had several players earn uh, certain accolades, especially with Pinay Sewell, whose name I learned last week when I was writing it it up in the description, earned the Outland Award. So 
yeah, I think this team is on an upward trajectory, and obviously going to the Rose Bowl is no small feat, and I think uh, you have to be a, a, a bit happy about that. You can't just throw it to the wind. It's a Rose Bowl. It's it's such a historic event, too. So, What, uh, what other podcasts do you produce for us? Uh, let's see. On the college football side, I do the Alabama podcast with Aaron Settle, second and 26. Quick plug there, as well as with Mitch Sherman and Max Olson, our Nebraska podcast, The Sellouts. Uh, make sure to check those guys out. And then also I do a handful of Major League Baseball podcasts that are posting intermittently. Uh, 755 is Real, which is our Atlanta Braves podcast, Starkville with Jason Stark and Doug Glanville, as well as our White Sox business podcast. As you can glean, White Sox are the team there with uh, Tom Fernelli and James Fegan. Man, that's that's pretty good there. I put you on the spot and uh, um, you just you rattling them off, them off man. I, I just... I, actually, actually, I think my favorite my favorite moment of this entire year was I think Aaron and I were ready to podcast once. You know, we we usually record around like eight thirty or so um, in the morning, and you were like, "Hey guys, like I it's going to be a little bit late. Uh, Chipper Jones is going a bit long for us here on the uh, <laughs> the Atlanta Braves." And I'm I'm a I'm a huge like '90s baseball fan, so I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, <laughs> don't don't piss Chipper off." Yeah, yeah. Chipper, there's this guy that wants to talk to you. He has nothing to do with the show, but he's a big fan of yours. His name's Tyson. I mean, can we can you give him like five seconds of your time? I was actually going to have Chipper record something uh, for for one of my close friends because he's a big Chipper Jones fan as well. Uh, ultimately, we were in the twilight of the recording, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta go. I've got like six kids that I'm taking care of." And it's like, "Oh, yeah, you you actually better go and do something important." So he had to buzz. <laughs> Uh, all right. So circling back to what we, we actually podcast about, um, a, a bit of big news last week. I mean, we are, we already kind of discussed, uh, Marcus Arroyo's departure to UNLV. Uh, but the, the, the biggest news in, uh, the Oregon, Oregon world was, uh, Penny Sewell winning the Outland trophy, uh, becoming the first true sophomore to do that. I can't remember if we talked about this already or not, but it, even if we did, it's completely worth going back over. Uh, because over the weekend we did even see Sewell uh, receive some uh, Heisman votes. I know John Canzano, the the Oregonian columnist, I think voted him third, and uh, Bruce Bruce Feldman, our Bruce Feldman, I think had him second, which is kind of uh, kind of insane when when you kind of look at the history of uh, offensive linemen in the uh, the Heisman voting. I think the last time a, a offensive lineman even finished remotely close was a uh, Bryant McKinney in two thousand one, I believe finished eighth. Uh, in 2001. So uh, if, if Sewell is going to get started on that campaign uh, for the, the 2021 season, or sorry, the 2020 season, um, you're probably going to need a lot of Oregon doing Oregon type uh, publicity st- stuff there. I don't know if they need the billboard in Times Square, but um, I mean, it, it seems like Sewell is a pretty well-known name at this point. Am, am I right in that or am I still living in the Oregon bubble here? No. Last week when you had mentioned his name and I looked up the information. I mean, one, this guy's staggering in appearance. I mean, this is just a man amongst boys. And for our own writers, especially our national writers, to go out and say that Penny Sewell is receiving, you know, second place votes in the Heisman Trophy race. I mean, that's that's quite insane. Uh, I think we're going to have a a huge PR rollout here pretty soon by Oregon because this is great to pick up on. And last week you you did mention previous offensive linemen who had received Heisman votes and who were Heisman vote getters. And I mean, that's a pretty illustrious club that he's a part of. So to just toss it aside would be, I think, pretty ignorant. I think that this is something that the Ducks will most likely lean all in on and allow Penny Sewell, whose reputation has already started to swell, allow his reputation to grow even further. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's probably going to be like two quarterbacks and a running back, right? It, uh, I, it always is. Yeah. Like, are, are, are you a fan of that? I mean, like that's I mean, inarguably, the quarterback is the most important position in the sport. And it's it's growing um, even more so with just how pass happy offenses are, you know, at all levels of football. Um I, I feel like they should just have they should have a quarterback award and then they should have an everybody else award that include. Mm-hmm. I, I actually they they probably have that with all the freaking trophies they give out. But <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it, it just stinks. Like, you know, you you can look at uh, like Wisconsin's running back this year who's had like three or four amazing seasons and hasn't even once gotten uh, a, a trip to uh, the Heisman ceremony out of it. Just because you know if you're a, if you're one of the top three quarterbacks in the country, you're pro- you're probably going right. Yeah, certainly. And Jonathan Taylor has had an exemplary season. I think there are a lot of eyes on him, especially in the Big Ten and even on the national stage. But you think about this Heisman class between Jalen Hurts. There was at one point Tua involved in there before his heinous injury. And then obviously Burroughs just had a a sensational season. I, I don't know if that can be replicated by an LSU quarterback ever again. I mean, that was just so special. But for an offensive lineman to be even muttered in between those names or amongst those names. I think that has to be pretty special and worth something. I don't know if we will ever see, though Pene Sewell is of such a high caliber of an offensive lineman, if we're ever going to see uh, an offensive lineman come away with that type of hardware. Hey, you're you're pretty in tune to the Alabama stuff because, um, like you mentioned, you uh, produced the podcast. Um, w- w- What's kind of the I mean, obviously, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I, I think some Oregon fans are interested in it because Tua almost came to Oregon. But like ultimately, like what I mean, how how somber was it after that injury? And I mean, what what's kind of Alabama's overall thinking on on that Tua legacy that, you know, obviously uh, an absolutely amazing career he's had there. And I don't think he's completely ruled out coming back. Right. Uh, No, not entirely. Uh, And I don't want to speak for him, uh, but Aaron Settles, who is our Alabama beat reporter, he does a fantastic job with that. He's fantastic on the second and 26 podcast. But to semi reiterate what he had said on one of our previous shows to uh, essentially will go down as arguably the best quarterback in Alabama history, if not the best player in Alabama history. So his legacy is down pat. I mean, he is a guy who came into this program in Obviously, one of the the pinnacle of one's career being the national championship stepped up into the limelight and performed and showcased his talents in front of a national audience without so much as a hiccup or really a jitter and brought home hardware for the Alabama Crimson Tide and has upheld the reputation and the integrity of the Alabama Crimson Tide for the last two plus seasons. So. Uh, You also add that with just about how special of an individual he is. I mean, Aaron went on to to showcase in the show just how optimistic Tua is. He says, hey, there's a plan for me. There's a plan for me in this life. And if this is what it is and this is a road bump along the way, it's just a road bump. And I'm going to continue to pursue what my dream is. And I thank everybody who has supported me along the way. So whatever his decision is, he's obviously a, a special individual, not just on the field, but off the field. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to watch that career from afar because, as as I mentioned earlier, um, Tua was very interested in attending Oregon, and um, things just didn't happen there. And and for uh, a good portion, especially when Herbert was looking electric his freshman and like the start of the sophomore year, this isn't to say he wasn't good the rest of his career. Obviously, he was, but there was kind of a conversation of like, oh, well, Oregon didn't get 
didn't get Tua, it might not matter because this Herbert guy is awfully good. Um, and I mean, it, it would be hard to say Oregon's upset that they got four really good years out of Herbert, but I, I think ultimately Tua had a little bit better of a top end and a, a more consistency than uh, than Herbert did over those four years. But that's comparing one excellent quarterback to another really good one. So right, I mean, it's, exactly. it's, it's kind of split splitting hairs at this point. <laughs> No, hundred uh, percent. Hey, I think we have some signing class stuff to get to. Talk yeah, to. yeah. Let's yeah. Let's 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 do it. What yeah, do you I, I know. With? Yeah, I I know that Oregon's uh, recruiting class, you know, signing class this year, you know, it isn't as saturated with talent as it has been in the past. I mean, you look back at last season, twenty nineteen, all time best, number seven in the recruit recruiting class. Right now, they are sixteen. Uh, I mean, is there any one given reason why there's such a stark drop drop off between last year's recruiting class and the issues recruiting class? And is there one particular name that stands out to you? You know, I, I I think the biggest thing with this year is they just weren't able to get some of the the absolute top level guys out of the Southern California area like they had uh, last year. I think last year it was something like five or six of the top 20 guys from California ended up in Oregon. Um and this isn't. I mean, I mean, this doesn't mean to say that they've been getting beaten by other Pac-12 schools in this. I, I think you've just seen, um, especially this season, a, a lot more of those kids ending up out east. Uh, you know, uh, highlighted by uh, um, Oregon, kind of went, went all in on the pursuit of. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but DJU, the the quarterback from St. John Bosco, who ended up going to Clemson. Um, that would have been a gem of the recruiting class. And while the Ducks didn't get him, they did finish second. So it's not like Oregon's like all of a sudden getting blown out here in, in the twenty uh, uh, the 2020 class. They are still number 16 in the country. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they just haven't quite been able to land some of those absolute top names outside of Noah Sewell, who we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, there's still some time here and there's still some pretty high uh, high recruits on the board. And, and I, I do think people do got to keep in mind that like last year, Oregon didn't land Kayvon Thibodeau until late here in December, right before the recruiting class. So it's it's number 16 now. But, uh, you know, so, as we've definitely learned over the years, uh, especially with Mario Cristobal, like they're going to they're going to work those phones until the last last available moment here. Right. And I want to focus in on a pair of guys Uh Avante Williams, four-star safety, as well as Johnny Wilson, a five-star wideout. Uh, it seems that Wilson has the propensity potentially to flip to ASU after deleting all the Oregon stuff from his account and also losing Williams. I mean, that potentially impacted their standing in the recruiting class. But those guys in particular, how much does it affect Oregon going into 2020? You know, it, it, I, I don't think as much with Williams because I do really like the depth Oregon has. Um at the defensive back position. And there are a couple other guys on the board that, uh, um, you know, could come later, you know, like Kelly Ringo. Um, and uh, I believe it's Deontay Manning are, are two guys that haven't committed yet and uh, aren't going to commit till after signing day, but they're two highly regarded defensive backs who, who Oregon is in the mix for. Uh, but I mean, if you look at their DB field, uh, you know, the fact that they have like Verone McKinley, um, and uh, like M- Michael Wright and, and some like those guys are both freshmen. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Thomas Graham and Diamandoro Lenore are juniors and they're going to have to replace them uh, pretty quickly here. But uh, they're, Oregon's still pretty deep there and, and they've been recruiting that position really hard over the years. Um, the the Wilson one's a little tough just because A, he's still committed to Oregon. He hasn't decommitted. So you know, the, the writing right now is that he's still attending to Oregon, but there's just been a lot of noise about him potentially going to ASU. But I just, I just wanted to see what that type of receiver would look like in Oregon system because he's a big bodied guy. He's six foot five. 
Um, he, you know, he'd be just a real nice compliment to, you know, like, let's say Micah Pittman continues to develop, develop as a really good slot guy. I could just see those two, you know, just being like a deep guy and, um, a slot guy for the ducks, especially since they were teammates at, at Calabasas high school. So, um, obviously that, that would be kind of, uh, a, a downer for them because, uh, Wilson is kind of their premier offensive player in this class, but, the fact that they were able to secure things down with Noah Sewell, I, I think that gives Oregon an absolute gem at this class that they can really kind of uh, um, build around it and highlight as as um, another good recruiting year for them. You know, let's jump down to, since you mentioned him. Talk about Noah Sewell. Obviously, he's the gem of this recruiting class. Uh, a five star, two hundred sixty five pound linebacker, just an absolute barbarian in the middle really he's the brother of Penn Sewell who just won the Outland Trophy as we discussed before I mean this could be a marquee piece on Oregon's defense yeah it's it's kind of frightening to think if he's as good as advertised and he looks like he could make an impact from the start just with that bot like his body's not going to have to adjust that much to the college level but if you could potentially put him in a front seven with Mace Funa and Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, that's a awfully elite. Because, I mean, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was Pac-12 freshman, freshman of the year, defensive player of the year. Uh, I believe Mace Funa made the freshman All-American second team over at The Athletic. Those are just three studs of young guys that could really make this front seven something just ridiculous going forward. And, and the thing about uh, Sewell is, yeah, he's, uh, he's 260, 65 pounds. He's six foot two. He looks like he has a frame that looks like it could easily add another 20 or 30 pounds and, and be a, a hand in the dirt type of guy. But like his big thing, especially uh, going to all the camps this summer and, and earning that fifth star was that he really wants to remain at linebacker. Um, that's, that's a really big body for a linebacker, but he's just a freak athletically. He, he runs like a, I think it was like a four, seven 40. He's, he's really good in the shell time. Um, it, it, and like I've, I've seen some some film where he's you know completely confident dropping back in coverage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the, this guy's a beast. And talking to his family, I have a story coming out about him later this week. Is they they all kind of believe that like he's um, he's like the fourth and best installment out of everyone. Like they've all gotten better and better and better throughout the four brothers. And uh, if if this guy if that's true and he's as good at his position as as Penny is at tackle. Uh, Oregon's got a, a really good kid coming in here. Yeah, and as you had also alluded to, Oregon is going to continue hitting the phones until the signing period's over. Imagine adding Justin Flo, another five-star linebacker, into the mix. I mean, Andy Avalos has all these tools at his disposal. And not only that, uh, talking about Justin Flo and and Sewell up the middle, but just how well Avalos has done molding and sculpting these guys in the middle of the defense to be, you know, premier players yeah and and man i i really like the i I'm, I'm not the best x's and o's guys i can't tell you exactly every single play they're running but the one thing with avalos's defense that even a guy like me has been able to notice is just like how in sync they are how well they are able to communicate and how well they play together as as a unit and, and i think you know we we can go back to the pac-12 awards that everyone was was upset about i i think that was a product of of how well this defense plays together um, it is just how, how evenly distributed the talent and, uh, uh, and the responsibilities are. And, and I think just if you continue to add really key pieces, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think this defense has even reached its potential. And this is one of the best seasons that, it, that it's had in, in decades. You know, we talked about the defense for a good chunk of time here 
how about the offensive side of things? Uh, Jay Butterfield, a four-star QB. He'll have a shot at winning that starting QB position potentially over Tyler Shuck and Kale Millen. I mean, what exactly does Butterfield bring to the table? And I mean, he obviously is a great addition to this team too and helps that quarterback room. You know, or Oregon was really disappointed they didn't get DJU. They they kind of right. broke out all the uh, all the stops for him. I mean, at the spring game, they brought in Jeremiah Masoli, who hasn't been on campus in probably like a decade. Um, they brought in Marcus Mariota. They 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 put on this huge show, um, and they lost. They didn't get him, uh, and, and that was definitely uh, a, a bit of a gut punch for them because I, I think that the logic went. I mean, if if that that guy was supposed to be as legit as quarterback prospects come. And, and the logic was like, okay, Justin Herbert's out. You pop in this guy, everybody around him's better. Oregon could be even better next season. Well, that's, that's not exactly the case. Now Herbert's going to be gone. Uh, Shuck is, is probably the heir apparent for right now, but Butterfield is Butterfield's a good athlete. He, he, uh, um, uh, excuse me. Uh, his coaches, when I talked, uh, when I talked to them in the summer, just like really just harped home on his his football IQ and work ethic. I mean, he's he's got physical tools and all that. Um, I'll I'll be interested to see I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens in spring ball. I mean, it's one of the first spring balls I've been excited for in, in quite some time, just because it'll be something completely new. We haven't had a a true quarterback competition at Oregon between guys that people were actually excited to watch battle in in quite some time. Uh, where it's actually been se- seemingly like a fresh slate. And I, I, I think Tyler Shuck could be the real deal. It's just been such minimal amounts of time that we've seen him. But um, I, yeah, I, I think Oregon's quarterback spot is it's it's not in as good of a place as, as they would have liked it, maybe back in, in, in April when, when DJU was still on the table. But Butterfield is definitely no slouch. And uh, um, yeah, I, I think it could be fun watching watching them battle this spring. I don't want to go too far into a rabbit hole here, and I know you and Aaron mentioned it last week, but whoever the new OC is and whoever steps into that position, I mean, that's going to be a loaded quarterback room with Shuck and having some playing time at this level, being able to be under the tutelage of Herbert and definitely get a year under his belt. And then you add Butterfield, as you said, who is a standout athlete. There are going to be options for whoever steps in next. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be a talented offense. I mean, the, the, the offensive line is going to have Sewell back and obviously the retooling with, you know, four other guys there, but Oregon has good depth there. They have good skill position guys. I mean, there's, I can't imagine there's a chance that they're going to be as injured as, as they are this year or, or next year, as they have been this year, especially at the wide receiver position. Like there, there's going to be some tools to throw to, uh, I'd be curious, and this will be something that uh, as we come up with Rose Bowl availability and stuff, I'd love to talk to Shuck just about what he's learned this year, mm-hmm. what his thoughts are on having to deal with uh, you know a new quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, because that was that was the biggest thing for Justin Herbert was. Um, I, I think that's kind of the primary reason Arroyo um, you know stuck around for as long as he did was. Justin Herbert just didn't want to have to deal with yet another quarterbacks coach. And and so this will be a new one for Chuck. Um, this will be a new offense. You know, it'll, it'll probably be a similar offense, but it'll be, you know, new stuff for him to learn. And so that that might give Butterfield at least a chance to kind of get in there and, and, and start on an equal playing field. All right, Tyson, I have your uh, It Never Rains Final Jeopardy question for the day. Yes. Um, what is uh, – oh, sorry, you have to ask it first. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, getting sorry. ahead of yourself. I, yeah. I could be asking about a country east of us here, and you would have gotten east, it completely wrong. You would have thought it would be Oregon uh, Ducks related. England. 
I'm, that was a lucky guess, but ah, okay. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, look, obviously, recruiting is important. Um, but now that the Ducks have proven they can win in the regular season, should fans care so much about this? Uh, I, I think yes, but I don't think it's at, it doesn't have to be all so much eggs in one basket. Uh, I when Chris Paul took the head coaching position. I think what most people knew about him was a, he was a big offensive lineman guy, but B that recruiting was his big thing. Um, and so when, when they had those first two recruiting classes before you kind of necessarily saw the results on the football field, like that was, that was the big thing for the ducks. That was like the one thing that you could say like, Oh, we're doing this better than anybody else in the PAC 12. Um, and that, and that was fun for fans, especially coming off of kind of a dismal period um, and, and recruiting, with this tenacity was new and, and, and yeah, yeah, it was kind of like the cool new thing, but Oregon's actually producing on the football field. Now they're, they're 10 and three this, or they're 10 and two this year. They're heading to a Rose bowl. Um, it, it, the recruiting isn't the only thing that the ducks are winning right now. And, and so, I, I mean, obviously the recruiting plays a large part in the production on the field, but I, I think what you've kind of seen over the the last several months as uh, um under Mario Cristobal in, in this program is it, it shows that they can take these players and use them uh, and actually use them. It's, it's not just like winning a meaningless offseason thing. So um, obviously uh, uh, this is a big week. Oregon's done well this year. They're not quite yet at the level as they were last year, but at the same time, you know, they <laughs> Oregon fans have another big game that they can focus on, which hasn't really been the case for the last five, six years because uh, um, the Ducks are pretty good right now on and, and off the field. Ugh, that was some word salad right there, but you know what? <laughs> I, I, want, I wanted to do a real quick plug, and I thought it was going to be really interesting. Uh, okay, go for I, it. Go for I thought it. it was, I thought it was going to be cool. I don't think it will be as cool now, but if you want to see those Ducks in action, you can – potentially pick up some Rose Bowl tickets on the game time app. Oh, yeah. I feel like I have an ad read coming up here. <laughs> you you, you may or may not have already said an ad read at the beginning of the show when when uh, we started right, off right. here. Yes, but I, yes, I just yes. want to reiterate, hey, check out the game time app because I, was on, the, I was on the game time app recently, uh, as in recently about 30 seconds ago, and tickets starting as low as $96. I, I looked hey, look, last look, week. Man, look, man, this is my ad read. You, 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 don't, you don't come on to my podcast Listen, and Tyson, take my Listen, I thunder. looked last week, and it was $162. Do <sighs> you know ticket. what I love about game time? What do you is it's easy. It's easy to remember when you should look at it, right before game time. Oh, know? that that's right. Right before game time, you look okay, at your we game got, they're, time. They're getting, they're getting their money's worth here. Okay. All right, good. All right. <laughs> I, had, I had to lay it on a little bit thick. I felt like I was yeah. contractually obligated. Um. Well, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you filling in today. This was uh, it's actually nice to hear your voice. I, hey, it's you know, al- it's always it's always you always sound like a computer when when we do the behind the scenes stuff. So, hey, you know, it's it's the limitations of the technology. Fortunately, I was able to pull out the old microphone and I was able to contribute today and hopefully I didn't embarrass you too much. No, no, no. You were great. Now we'll just like stash you back away for the next six or seven that, Hey, and, that, and that's perfectly yeah. fine. That's fine. <laughs> Allow Aaron to uh, to soak up the, the limelight. That's what he's yeah. good at. All right. Well, hey, that's that's it for this edition of It Never Rains. Uh, as a reminder, reminder for 40 percent off, go to theathletic.com forward slash it never rains. If you want to get in for our Friday episode and it is the holiday season, you can give the gift of the athletic. If you want to read some of me, read some of Aaron or, uh, you know, have friends get in and, and listen to Cameron whenever he fills in. You can find that at theathletic.com again forward slash gift once again that's theathletic.com forward slash gift uh 39.99 for a one-year subscription and we will be back on friday (laughs) 